0: on blast
1: this is week eight of i'll name this football pod later on the on blast podcast network available on apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud google play and youtube tell your friends my name is sheldon alexander and as always i'm joined by my dude mr matt russell sports betting professional and host of the window sports betting podcast mr matt russell i know the world series is done for you You're doing all right there. You're throwing out a lot of goodness, let's say, (laughs) to the people. Well, we try. Hey, we try for sure. But now that baseball's over, it's full focused in on the NFL season. And how are you feeling heading into week eight?
0: Uh, Not bad. Uh, We, you know, your favorite thing is kickers, right? I think you wish that we just did kicking contests, skipped the rest of the, you know, action in the NFL and just got it down to, you know, sort of like a shootout thing. I think you've always kind of been interested in. Um, So kickers kind of jammed us up this past week and special teams in general. Right Like a lot of kickoff return tomfoolery, some yep. unfortunate punt return situations, but mostly let's be honest, kickers shoot them
1: directly into the sun. Just ban kickers from all levels of football. What purpose do they serve? explain it to me we'll, we'll get to, we'll get there in depth for sure, but as you alluded to last week for my picks, I went six, seven and one last week, bringing my season total to 51, 51 and three. <laughs> here's the thing right and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording i feel okay on a lot of the looks especially when i go back to last week and i look at some of these games am i really going to be super mad at myself because the browns miss an extra point at the end of the game and i'm going to be super mad because goskowski is still out here missing kicks after his team makes a crazy (laughs) comeback like there's just so much going on in this game am i mad that russell wilson Can't cover getting multiple chances again, including in overtime. Like so much craziness going on. I can't be mad at these at some of these losses. So as always, I say here on the pod, and it's a reminder for everybody, I'm here foolishly picking every single game against the spread, just trying to win more than I lose. I come up with whatever the public narrative is, a Joe public football fan sitting on his couch narrative is. Try to add a little more to that here and there. But you come in, Mr. Russell, poking holes in those theories, giving us some numbers, giving us some data, let's say, to back up and try to help us all win some money. Sound good. We're here for week eight. I've been having so much fun doing this, so I'm excited for it each and every week, man
0: yeah man i can't believe it's week eight already right i know that's sort of like hack cliche like can you believe it time flies like in a year where time has not flown in any way shape or form like leave it to the nfl season to have you sit here and go wow i can't believe we made it this far in the season
1: totally true and thursday night football is back again and last week was a very interesting thursday night game this week it involves the Falcons, so really anything is possible. Yeah. <laughs> you got the one, the one in six Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers, who are at three and four. Panthers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. And last week you gave us a bunch of Teddy Two Gloves stats about how he was going to cover the seven-and-a-half points, and you were right, and they were live for that win for a lot of the game. The upset value was there for sure. The Falcons, on the flip side, are a super weird team. They keep trying to find new ways to lose. Todd Gurley can't fall down properly at the one. And then they allow the the Lions to go all the way back down the field and win the game on the final play of the game. I mean, that doesn't even crack the top five embarrassing losses for the Falcons in even just the past few years. So with all that said... I'm on the Panthers and I can't figure out why it's only two and a half points. What am I missing here? Is it just because the Falcons are in all these games so they lose, but this is about gambling and the numbers. Is that what's skewing me right now?
0: Yeah, it is. Right. Like, cause if they weren't just the Falcons, right. If they weren't (laughs) just Falconing all of this stuff, like, yeah, they could should and would be a pretty good team. So all of the numbers, all of the metrics do favor the Falcons Uh, over Carolina or sort of over any other team that's only like won one or two games, right? Like from a talent standpoint, from a metric standpoint, like they are just better than that, right? Like they are the, you're better than this team in the NFL. And so when we're talking about going forward, right, unfortunately from a predictive standpoint, you have to look at that team going, you're better than this, which means they are better than two and a half point underdogs to a Carolina team that, don't get me wrong, we enjoy betting on a great deal, but it's as an underdog, right? And you referenced all of those Teddy two gloves, you know, the Bridgewater underdog stats, but here we are, right? not underdogs. And so this is very much like that bears game a couple of weeks ago where you go, Oh, minus one and a half. Like this is too easy for words here. We really like this Carolina team. We've been making money off of this Carolina team, but it's always been as an underdog. So a couple of injury things, you know, from a defensive standpoint with Carolina as well. And as much as they were live to win that game and speaking of special teams, the one thing we literally can't hate on is the 65 yard field goal attempt falling (laughs) a yard short. Right, like my guy made it from 64, and unfortunately, it was Bridgewater who took a sack before that play. Right, so as much as he's going to get credit. On that against the spread statistic it was his fault that that game didn't go to overtime and at that point given the fact that both teams are working the ball up and down the field that could have gone either way now you flip ahead to this game right the Falcons are going to be able to do the same thing that the Saints yeah. have been able to do right and move yeah. the ball down the field and there's an element of you know you can look back because these teams played each other two three four weeks ago right mm-hmm. and Carolina won by seven it was really a 10 point game where the Falcons did that like let's kick the field goal with five seconds left see if we can get an onside kick and then throw a Mary. So it's really a 10 point game. And it's very easy seeing, oh, they won by 10 in Atlanta. Like now they're at home. Of course, they're going to win. Well, that's not really how it works in the NFL. And especially in a year where home field advantage doesn't really seem to be a thing. Like at this point, how many points can we really give for home field advantage? Generically, probably not all that much, right? Situationally here and there, you know, travel, weather, like those types of things. But we're talking about moon going from Atlanta up to North Carolina, like that's not really a move, right? Like that's not really a ton of travel. And this Atlanta team ever since the coaching change, right? We were like, okay, how is this going to affect the team? And they played a great game against the Vikings. They turned the Vikings over, you know, Kirk Cousins helped with that, but they still made the got the turnovers, right? And then last week, the defensively, they did pretty well against Detroit. And again, if your boy Todd Curley could just fall down correctly and he does it doesn't turn into a like, you know, things in motion stay in motion type of a setup for Gurley. Like they kick the field goal and they win that game, right? So you have to take out kind of the falconry out of all of this and look honestly, forward and be like, this is actually a pretty decent team. And you kind of have to just go with that like it's disgusting it feels dirty like who would ever want to bet on this falcon team but like the numbers
1: are what they are what could their record actually be if they if they're not the falcons like they could have right. easily right. what two or three more wins at least i believe
0: it's been three times this season that they've had a 98 or better win <laughs> probability in like the fourth quarter or at like some point in the game. Right. So if you take three of those and flip them over to the other side, now you're saying like, why are they underdogs to Carolina? Right. And it's like, that's the past. Isn't going to change. Right. Like the past is the past, Mm -hmm. but the future obviously is sort of uncertain right and so the best we can do is work off of probabilities and all of these you know statistics and whatnot and you've seen here on thursday morning this line has ticked down to two so somebody out there is still going you know what i've seen everything from the falcons and i'm still okay with it for me I'll probably end up on the Falcons maybe for something small. But what I really like here is using them as a teaser, right? You can tease six points, right? From two up to eight. And now you've got all kinds of options for the Atlanta Falcons to blow this game (laughs) to hell or high water and still be in that number, right? And I think they probably end up winning this game outright. They probably should win this game outright. By the way, they didn't have Julio Jones in that first matchup against Carolina. So that's why you got to dig deeper in... It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, but beyond just looking at the score and going like, oh, okay, Carolina won on the road. They're bound to win at home. Like, this is a very tricky spot here um, for bettors who are going to look at this Carolina team and be like, oh, I like this Carolina team. Like, they move the ball. But the defense is rough right now, man. It's really rough, and Atlanta's going to take advantage of that, I think
1: do you know it's super funny so uh, an ongoing bit is how terrible my thursday night picks are consistently right and my initial take i've i've gotten to the point remember we're like midway point here right week eight where i'm like i need to start looking at fading my picks against the spread on thursday nights now right. as mentioned i come in hey i'm going on the panthers but you know what we just finished this conversation. I'm looking at it. And after the spiciness of last Thursday night oh, and boy. the survivor pick of the Eagles coming down to the wire, why not just roll the dice again and say, hey, <laughs> roll with the Falcons. <laughs> should I make them I the survivor do.
0: pick? Should we just? No, no, we... no. Whoa, whoa, no, whoa, no, no. whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Oh, no. no. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought you wanted me to send that in. Okay. Nope, I won't send it. No,
1: no, definitely not. Definitely not falcons i'll take the points on thursday night people might be listening to this and just laughing their asses off while (laughs) listening to this podcast and watching the falcons do falcon things on thursday night but here we are here we are i'm on the falcons writing it down as we speak let's move on
0: well one other thing right like we talk about the falcons doing falcon things and you know when he goes in the end zone like that you wonder, is that a coaching mistake? Is that a quarterback mistake? Or is that a Todd Gurley sort of just brain cramp mistake? And then we see, I don't know if you've seen it, but like the sound from the huddle has come out, right? Because Matt Ryan was mic'd up and he's telling him literally right before the play, get the first down and then go down. So it it isn't a Falcon thing where it's sort of coming down from, you know, it's not raining down from the coaching staff through the quarterback and they just were completely clueless. I'd have preferred them just to take knees and do that sort of thing. But, you know, it was literally just girly in that situation, right? So it's a little less sort of falcony and a little more girly.
1: Hey, sometimes the stench is just a little too much, you know? Yeah, I true. You. I hear you. Big boy matchup, though, in week eight is we got the six and zero Pittsburgh Steelers heading to Baltimore take on the five and one Ravens. The Steelers are three and a half point underdogs. Three and a half point underdogs. And was this line really five and a half? Because I mean, I was already on the Steelers, thinking three and a half points. Cool. I like taking three and a half. I really would have liked taking five and a half for the Steelers. I know the Ravens are coming off the bye, Steelers coming off a huge win against the Titans, but let me, let me ask you, what do you think here with the Steelers and what did you learn about them last week versus Tennessee?
0: Well, and I was going to ask you this, right? Like, okay. you know, what did, what did you learn? Not, not so much, what did you learn, but how did your perception of the Steelers
1: or the Titans change if at all? Like did, did, did any oh. of that change? No, I still think they're no. two really good teams and we'll get to the Titans in the next game. But for right. me, like looking at the Steelers, it was a lot of what we talked about, you know, like how would their defense respond, missing their middle linebacker and they responded well, like they were solid. Big Ben, I think still did. Like we did, we haven't really seen that Big Ben yet this season where like he gets a little too feeling himself and just starts throwing it up for no reason in the right. second half when he doesn't need to do that. Yeah. So, it was kind of a, a lot of the things that we've been waiting to see from the Steelers, and they're still a good team, solid right. team, right? Their running game yeah. isn't that good; might need to be look a little bit better going forward. But right. the end of the day, I know what you're saying, though. My perception didn't really change that much looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? So maybe, like, yeah,
0: you'd make that game it. a them essentially, right? Like if Tennessee oh. and Pittsburgh played again, you'd be like, yeah, them, You know, yeah. line was about right, minus one here or there. Right, so totally. for this game, right, like, what would you make Ravens? You know, if the Ravens—not not that this is possible—but if the Ravens and Titans played in the Super Bowl, right, it was neutral field. They play in Tampa or you yeah. know Atlanta or one of these Super Bowl sites. Like, what would you make the line that would give you pause? Like, you're probably going to bet the Ravens in that situation, right? Like, if it was just a pick, okay. for example, right? But like, what would you make that line where you'd want to take Tennessee?
1: I don't know. I think I'm. I would take Tennessee. I know this.
0: uh, Really, okay, so you're that down on the Ravens. Okay, that's really interesting, right? I think a lot of people are down on the Ravens and I think they're surprised by this line being at minus five and a half. But one thing that I sort of, you know, preaches on never the right word, but like, I always say like, yes, listen, nobody has all the answers. Right. And I certainly sure. am not one of those people who has like any of the answers. I definitely mind.
1: have zero answers.
0: <laughs> right. But so take in as much information as you possibly can and sort of understand your weaknesses. Right. Yeah. And so one of the things that I do is I take in as much good quality content as possible right and a lot of the really smart people who do the sort of numbers breakdowns and and point spread projections have this game at about a five or six point game for the Ravens right so I really sort of trust that from a number making standpoint now from a perception standpoint right Pittsburgh's going to get a lot of money in this situation because of the reputation of both these teams playing close games against one another But if you're looking at it from sort of a line standpoint, like for me, I think if this was a Tennessee Baltimore game on a neutral field, like that number has to be three, right? It's going to be Baltimore minus three. And then they're sort of going to take their chances. Now you might be like, I'll take the points. I love it. But like, I just think like from a perception standpoint, like that number is going to be three. So the fact that this number is two points different from where it was last week right? Between like, if Pittsburgh is one and a half on the road as an underdog to Tennessee, right? Two points more, three and a half on the road to Baltimore, which means that Tennessee and Baltimore, if played on a neutral, Baltimore would be minus two. Well, I think a lot of people are taking Baltimore in that situation, even with Tennessee winning that game last year. And last year, that point spread was like nine, right? In that actual playoff game. And so, you know, for me, this number probably should be closer to four and a half. Now you've got John Harbaugh coming off a bye. He's like nine and three against the spread in a bye week. You've got Pittsburgh, who's played a bunch of really big games in a row, right? The Philadelphia interstate game, Cleveland, the Miles Garrett, you know, revenge game, and then going on the road in the battle of the undefeateds. And it's like, no matter sort of as as much as they want to win this game and they'll be quote unquote up for this game. That's a lot of really high level, you know, intense football for the last four weeks out of them. Meanwhile, Baltimore's like, yeah, we, you know, pretty much phoned in the second half against the Eagles. We destroyed the Bengals didn't really have to do anything there. Like Lamar was a little bit banged up. So he's going to be a little more healthy. He's going to be able to run the ball. And this is obviously the type of a quarterback that the Steelers haven't seen all that much of right. As mobile ish as 10, hill is and like deshaun watson a little bit as well like he's not running the ball the way that lamar jackson's running the ball when he's got it going right so it's a whole other type of defense that they have to prepare for and the interesting thing about the run defense last week is yes bush goes out and we're kind of wondering Are they going to be able to deal with Derrick Henry? And sort of the best play of the game was like, it was like a third and one at the goal line. And my guy just comes up and is like, this is my life. My life is over, but I'm going to stop Derrick Henry. And he, did, right? And it was like the mother of all collisions, but then he immediately goes out of the game and he's like grabbing the shoulder and the collarbone. And it's like that I really paid for that. And Tennessee ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive anyway. And so you go like, that's literally the intensity that you need to bring to stop Derrick Henry. And now you have all of these other elements with the Ravens offense that are going to be really tricky for the Pittsburgh Steelers to stop. And the Pittsburgh Steelers offense isn't from a metric standpoint, isn't as good as people are sort of envisioning- when they see like a Chase Claypool running free in the secondary against the Eagles and then building a decent lead against the Titans, right? And so as much as it's sort of scary and it's enticing in a way to grab the plus three and a half with the Steelers, I think this is a really nice spot for the Baltimore Ravens. Very similar to last year where it was a Sunday night game against the Patriots. The Patriots were undefeated. And right, like it was a really small spread and people were like, well, Patriots are going to win this. They're undefeated, you know, yada, yada, yada. But again, past is the past and the present is the present. And in this case, I think this is a a tremendous spot. The Ravens are going to be prepared. They're well coached and they just have obviously an offense that the Steelers haven't really had to deal with right and they're still kind of licking their wounds as much as they stopped Derrick Henry they're still kind of on the sideline collectively going like oh shoulder
1: still pretty and, sore." and also too a, a big part of that and really why I, I was really impressed with the Titans was I thought they made great halftime adjustments right like sure. you could tell how they and I, I hate saying the cliche that is, oh, they made halftime adjustments. But I'm saying, literally, if you watch that game and you understood how Derrick Henry, it was tough sledding in that first half. Second half, where most teams might switch it up, they're like, no, 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 this is what we do. They just adjusted the running game, have him kind of, you know, adjust kind of the different runs that they were doing, but still using Derrick Henry a lot. And he was able to, what was in the first half, like two-yard gains, at least get those into like five-yard gains and just start to see some progression on the ground. And, and same thing on defense. I think they also showed some great adjustments to what the Steelers were doing as well. Chase Claypool wasn't running freely right. <laughs> against the Titans at all, right? So as mentioned, good coaching is going to watch what good coaching did as well. Harbaugh mm-hmm. is sitting there chilling watching that game it's a great point to me i think you know i want to see what baltimore does can they handle their business against a a good team because they're five wins so far you're talking the browns houston washington cincy and philly right yeah and hey you play who you play you play who's in front of you i get that i understand that but i want to see it and one thing you've changed my mind on, or not changed my mind on, but got me to think about a lot more, was where are we getting these teams, right? Because if all things are equal and it's Pittsburgh versus Baltimore, that's a different story than what you just explained in terms of Pittsburgh taking a beating, tough tough sledding, tough game, and then coming right back into their biggest rivalry right now in the NFL, right? The past few years has been Raven right. Steelers so you you look at it from that standpoint raven's fresh it's interesting i don't know like it's got me like five and a half i'm i would definitely be on board with the steelers at three and a half i'm starting to be like hmm okay yeah and if this
0: thing continues down like there's a very real possibility we get three because listen what do we talk about all the time right perception right and the money and people you know looking at these teams and looking at these games and going like, okay, quick Ravens, tell me about their season. And the first thing you'd say was there was a Monday night football game where they got worked over by the Chiefs, right? And then like you said, all their other wins were against sort of shoddy teams. Well, I mean, you're supposed to, Right, like you're supposed to beat those teams, and they did, so like they Mm -hmm. get credit for that. But what they're sort of the detractors would say was against a legit team, right? But you know, again, the Chiefs. We talked about it back then. Remember, like they were pulling plays like out of their you know like deep recesses of the playbook. The way they hadn't looked very good the previous couple of weeks, and it was like, oh, they've been saving it up for a game here against the Ravens that's gonna go a long way to decide the top seed in the conference, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the Steelers haven't had that, you know, they haven't been afforded that luxury over the last three weeks to be able to like, oh yeah, guess what we've got, Chase Claypool. (laughs) It's like, no, you burned him three weeks ago, (laughs) as far as like a surprise attack. Like there are no surprises left. Whereas the Ravens, maybe there are a few surprises, right? Maybe there's a fake punt in the mix somewhere, right? exactly like john harbaugh uh, you know former special teams coach he's always ready to do something tricky on you right so this is a kitchen sink game for the ravens right like they see this team going okay we need to win this game because if we don't now we are five and two right we've got two losses they're undefeated and have the tiebreaker right like this is the biggest game of the season for the ravens by far and so it isn't just a matter of like well they're not good enough to like play with the upper echelon of the AFC, right? It isn't like that. It's just they got caught in a buzzsaw by the Chiefs. And again, the Chiefs are a much better team, especially offensively, than the Steelers are, right?
1: Totally. No, no, no. I I totally see exactly what's going on here. This is going to be one where I'm waiting until the last second to see what the line is, and I'm I'm making the pick at that point. Just because it's like... Where it's at right now, it, it's it's tough, and I understand it. And the stat that obviously has nothing to do with gambling, but is very interesting to me: Ravens off to a five and one start, third time in franchise history. The last two times they were off to a five and one start, they won the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. So again, has trendy, nothing to do with I gambling, like it. but yeah. it's just me looking at it and saying <laughs> sure. like, okay, well, what are we? What am I seeing here from this team? Mm-hmm. We mentioned the Steelers and Titans. We might as well get to the Titans this week. And you, you alluded to it off the, top, off the front end. My mission is to ban kickers from all levels of football. Imagine being Tennessee, okay, or being a fan of their team, being a right. player on the team, on the sideline, Or lines. somebody
0: who wagered on them, perhaps.
1: Perhaps, <laughs> right? Right. The Titans are getting their heads kicked in in the first half. Derek Henry has mentioned taking a beating tough sledding for two yard gains. The beating that my dude's body is taking for literal three run three yard gains, the Steelers versus a Steelers defense, which isn't just, you know, it's not the Jets. <laughs> then add in Tennessee's defense rebounds. They slow down Big Ben. Ryan Tannehill is out here balling. You told us last week, stop thinking of Tannehill as not being a good QB because he is a good QB. And we saw that. He led the team back all the way down the field for the game tying field goal, all for the kicker just to miss it. Like, I. I I don't get it. Make it make sense to me. Make it make sense. I I don't understand.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I'm never going to make sense of kickers. I'm never going to make sense of Tennessee's general kicking luck or however you want to put it over the last couple of years, right? We've talked at length about that and how sort of- it possible though? As ridiculous as it sounds, like, again, I preseason, in the previews, I made sure to mention every team's kicker and their kicker situation because, like, all of this stuff comes down to it. But a lot of times you don't really know whose yeah. kicker is going to blow it. So it's sort of unpredictive in that sense, right? That being said, when you got Steven Goskowski, you can't make a kick. And listen, I'm watching that kick going, like, he's not going to make this kick, right? Like, <laughs> he's not. Like, I've seen this I was before, was not really right? confident either. Like, we don't get the, like, miracle comeback wins, right? We get the miracle comeback because we were sort of right about the two teams being equal. We just never get that like over the edge to actually win the game, right? And it's funny sort of how perception works. So you go, okay, that sucked, right? Like they didn't get to overtime at which point, like who knows, right? Like the Steelers had scored three points in the entire second half. If we get to overtime, like I'm liking Tennessee's chances, right? Beyond sort of the concept of momentum from an X's and O's standpoint, there was obviously something that allowed the Titans to hold the Steelers to that few points. And it's funny how perception works, right? He kicks that field goal it goes in and all of a sudden maybe we're talking this week in our last segment about how Ben Roethlisberger threw the game away for Pittsburgh by throwing that late interception that Mm -hmm. gave Tennessee the chance to even kick a field goal to tie right because if he just throws one incomplete or they run the ball it's probably a six point game and it never really gets to that like maybe obviously play calling and stuff changes and obviously you wouldn't be going for a field goal so you'd go for it on fourth down but instead we're going like well Ryan Tannehill he took a uh, intentional grounding penalty, and then that moved it back. And you know, listen, Goskowski's gotta make the kick, but like if it was 10 yards closer, yeah. obviously there'd be sort of a better chance of him making that kick, right? So these are the tiny things that completely change perception, but like. They're slivers, right? Like they're tiny yeah. slivers of, you know, again, he makes that kick and we're going like Big Ben turning the ball over, blew the game against Tennessee <laughs> last week. And maybe that line doesn't go from five and a half down to three and a half. And maybe the Tennessee line against Cincinnati here, that's about five and a half right now, maybe that's up to seven, something along those lines, right? But because sure. there's sort of that still seed of doubt with Tennessee that this line is under a touchdown. And I don't think that it would be under a touchdown if it were say the Steelers at the Bengals or the Ravens at the Bengals and certainly not if it were the Chiefs at the Bengals so again it's just this matter of thinking of Tennessee as this sort of second-class citizen and all they've shown us over the course of the last 16 games essentially since Tannehill took over is that they're more than capable of beating a team like the Chiefs of beating a team like the Steelers and and beating a team like the Ravens so why can't we treat them like those teams and so for me like this number does feel a little bit short but you've got your boy joe burrow who's always up to stuff here problem is right they're starting to like shave off some players right like carlos dunlap this was my favorite thing right he literally tweets out his like real estate listing for his place, like three days before he gets traded to Seattle, right? And I'm like, okay, little spicy, my guy, but I like the hustle with trying to get your house sold, right, I get it, the market not ideal right now, people aren't looking to move. And so he's out here tweeting that, and you're like, okay, is he the only one who has some issues right now, like as much as Cincinnati are in these games, like this is the type of thing that will wear on you, right? Like in their minds, they don't really care that they cover, it's wins and losses. So it's like, yeah, we did all we could against the Colts, didn't win the game. Did all we could against the Browns, didn't win the game. Like this season is going to slip away at some point here for the Bengals. And it's just a matter of, can the Titans sort of pick up the pieces after a really rough loss? Like, but I believe in that coaching staff, right? Like we talked about Rabel, at length last week. And when you talk about halftime adjustments, you go, okay, he made adjustments, right? And Tomlin didn't have anything for it, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's like, that's the difference between coaching. And you can make that case for the John Harbaugh-Tomlin matchup, right? You're always going to get your best out of the Steelers in the first half, or you're going to be able to see what kind of Steelers team is showing up, right? Do they show up? Do they not show up, right? But it's the second half where the adjustments always get made. Mm -hmm. And so if we're looking at a Vrabel versus Zach Taylor, Matchup here from a coaching standpoint, like again, maybe it's a situation where you go, okay, let's wait until the game starts and maybe you want to live bet Tennessee, knowing that you're probably going to get the best second half possible out of Tennessee and probably the worst second half possible out of the Bengals. So it's tricky number right now because of all of those things, but I'd maybe take a wait and see approach when it comes to this game.
1: I love the, I love Tennessee in this game because the two things, right? Like to encapsulate kind of what you just said, a wise man famously said you're, you are what your record says you are. Right. <laughs> right. Legendary words. Right? right. Now the Bengals at one, five and one. Like, <laughs> I mean, you you can be in all these games all you want, but you still have to learn how to win. I know that sounds cliche. That's a real, real thing. And when dudes have already kind of been checking out and you go to the flip side of the Titans and you're not, you can't even get a touchdown against this, against this team. It's, it's kind of weird. And you're right. It's so much of this is based on perception for whatever reason, we don't see the Titans. And I say, we, as like the, the general you know, sure society working with these lines society yeah <laughs> right. we don't see the titans as being a f- the five and one team that very easily could have been six and oh and i just like the points because i like taking the points i'm fine i'm totally fine saying hey titans minus five and a half because really it's just oh joe burrow backdoor cover which Cool. Like that's, that's really the only thing in my mind that I'm just like, all right, maybe that's it. But I feel like Tennessee, how do they stop? How do they stop Derrick Henry? Why is that going to be a thing that the Bengals are going to, are going to be able to slow down Derrick Henry? Right?
0: No, it's not, right? Like, this has, like, the 200-yard Derrick Henry game sort of written all over it in a lot of ways, right? And I know a lot of people are sort of afraid of the Tennessee defense because it's still shoddy, right? And we talked yeah. at length um, somewhat famously about Adoree Jackson potentially returning last week, and he couldn't make it back, you know, another week. Maybe he does come back, and again, maybe that defense improves as such like the defense did only give up three points in the second half to the Steelers right so adjustments yeah. made from that standpoint and so mm-hmm. you know yeah like this isn't the Browns that Cincinnati's playing here right like <laughs> this is a, a, like a really good team that even though like you know we have all kinds of hope for the Browns right but yeah. we for some reason just don't want to feel it with the Tennessee Titans and maybe that's being like a decade worth of being like a really boring team but like they're kind of not right like they're in these shootouts every single week so can joe burrow kind of keep up with them like maybe but like again from an adjustment standpoint this could very well be sort of like 2020 at halftime and then cincinnati can't do anything in the second half because i trust mike Vrabel way more than i trust zach taylor
1: yeah and i think people still have the perception of Tannehill being on the crappy dolphins team as well right like i think that still sticks in people's minds for a while but you mentioned they're not playing the browns they are not playing the browns and last week speaking of said cleveland browns baker mayfield followed what could be the worst quarter any qb has played all year in which he was zero for five with an interception and then after that my guy spent the last three quarters going 22 for 23 for 297 yards five touchdowns and a 158.3 rating plus the game-winning touchdown. Probably a bad beat for many, right? I, I mean, I'm assuming that that extra point at the mm-hmm. end probably burned a lot of people. Right. And a lot going on with the Browns. Baker's feeling himself. He's back making dancing videos on Instagram post game. Bad news on the flip side. We know Odell Beckham Jr. is out for the season. I'll, I'll get your take on how that might affect them. Right. But now you got a Browns team at five and two hosting a three and three Raiders squad squad and the Browns at home, two and a half point favorites. (laughs) This is tough for me. I'm not really sure which way to lean. I'm kind of leaning on the Browns. I just think of a couple weeks back when the Browns were playing the Steelers and we talked about Baker in the pocket. And when you pressure Baker it's a different Baker Mayfield and he struggles badly. And I just look at this Raiders game last week against the mm-hmm. Bucks, yeah. in which they only pressured Tom Brady 7% of the time. <laughs> right. The Bucks, right? 7% of the time, yeah. which, if correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, is like terrible. Like yeah, among the good. lowest you'll see in the league, <laughs> yeah. right? Not good. Now, the Bucks' offensive line isn't the Browns' offensive line. Right. but still the point remains this could be a good spot for baker like an all right spot for baker yeah if he succeeds at least if he succeeds at least he's not losing the game for them <laughs> right like i know so much focus is still on baker mayfield when really yeah. bro run the ball play defense yeah. that's how you guys will succeed but as right. long as baker's not throwing the game away right i'm okay but how kinda? do we know
0: right? Like how do we know Baker's not going to throw the ball away, right? right? He is really just like like knee deep in this like subsection of quarterbacks in the league where, and we'll get to it later, right? Because we have to talk about the Eagles at some point, but like Right, he's in that Carson Wentz zone, right? Where it's just like the old Seinfeld scene, right? Where like, you know, I, like you're biting onions, you're spotting dimes, right? We talk yeah. about it, you know, somewhat regularly, right? Like he's, he, his vision is so bad that he bit into an onion thinking it was an apple. And then all of a sudden he spotted a dime from across the room. It's like, which is yeah. it going to be, right? and from a week-to-week basis. And we you know, we, we had this game set up perfectly, right? Because it was like, he's going to look bad against Pittsburgh. We're going to be all over Pittsburgh in that spot. And then it's going to come back and it's going to create value. And we're going to be able to get a decent number on Cincinnati and Cleveland. Now, as much as we all yeah. sit here and go, Cody Parkey, like, ah, again, right? <laughs> like somehow that kick was worse than the missed double doink back in <sighs> the playoffs, right? With the Bears, right? Because like, yep. yeah, that, that ball got tipped and all of that kind of thing. Like he got sort of a bum rap for that Mm -hmm. and part of it was because he went on the today show after to talk about it like he needed to go on some sort of media (laughs) tour about it and in this case it was the exact opposite where it was like catastrophe from a betting standpoint and again we talk about getting the best price all the time right and the best price was minus three so as much as we're like oh my god like he blew it we had it like we were getting that late game comeback cover right like that we didn't get with tennessee that we didn't get with a couple other games and it's like, we did it, we got it. And it's like, oh no, he missed it. It's just a push for those yeah. of us at minus three, right? And there were some contest lines you know, that had it at three and a half Which is even worse obviously because that turns a win to a loss but at least it was a push and listen when baker's sort of driving it down the field there like expectations are relatively low we probably would have taken some sort of push at the time you know maybe that would have been they kick a field goal force overtime and win it by three and overtime, right like that would have been sort of an easier way to kind of swallow that push right but because it was cody parkey so you talk about Beckham, right? So he comes out and like you said, 0-5 before Beckham goes out. And then 20, basically perfect, right? He had a spike. Mm-hmm. That was his one incomplete pass the yeah. rest of the game, right? And it frees up Baker. So you're looking at this game going like, you know, Beckham goes out and the line actually goes from three down to two and a half. And is that a money move because people want Vegas plus three? Or is that sort of, as we say, on air, right? Where it's Beckham injury gets announced and he's worth half of a point, right? I think we knew enough about that injury to know that like, it was already built into the line at plus three. So now we're looking at early money and early money, always kind of the sharpest money, right? Because a yeah. lot of people don't really bet until Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. So the money that's going to move the line is sort of the sharpest and it moves from three down to two and a half. So fundamentally, I actually think this is potentially a good thing for the Browns, the, the uh, Beckham injury, because mm-hmm. listen, he's a great talent. He is sort of, you know, potential hall of famer, but all of that stuff is based off of giants. Beckham right that frustrating version of him where he's getting in trouble he's being crazy but he's being awesome and he's turning Eli Manning five-yard passes into 80-yard touchdowns but when was the last time you saw an 80-yard touchdown from Odell Beckham Jr., right? He gets the yeah, hype for the, the catches, Cowboys. right? Yeah, but when was the last time, but like he's, you know, he had an end around, right? Like he's, you know, he's getting reverse plays, like that kind of stuff. Yay. Like I'm talking about like hitting a slant, going oh, house, God. like done. Like it's been a while. Like the catches are being now outweighed by a lot of drops for Beckham. And just look at the stats, right? Like he averages about 70-ish yards per game at this point with the Browns. So what are you really missing, right? Like if you got 70 yards per game and like four touchdowns out of a fantasy football wide receiver, you'd be kind of be, you know, you'd be bummed about that. Right. And if you draft him as high as you do based on name value, you'd be kind of bummed about that too. So we're looking at a guy who once he goes out, you don't have to force him the ball, right? Big personality, a guy that you think will make a play like, Oh, just throw it up for Beckham. Like he'll make a play. Well that turns into a lot of interceptions and interceptions are way worse than the catches are good you know what i mean if he catches yeah. them it's oh 20 yard gain but we still got to do some stuff if yeah. he doesn't and their interceptions obviously turnovers the biggest indicator of whether you're going to win or lose a game right and mm-hmm. so if you don't have to just force it into them, and you can run your offense and you have sort of a multiplicity of, I can throw it to Richard Higgins. I can throw it to Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? I can throw it to who's ever open now. I don't have to go first read Odell, second read Jarvis Landry. I can go first read whoever I want. So I actually think that's going to be good for Baker and they run the ball excellently already. So the offense is still going to be good here. On the Raiders side of things, I do kind of like the Raiders in this game, right? Like the market sort of dictated that like three is too high. If you could get plus three with the Raiders, like you take it. And obviously last week was a total rob job for the Raiders, right? Like half your team, like the entire offensive line can't show up to practice because of COVID protocols. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the NFL is like, not only are we not moving the game to later, we're going to move it up. Move it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right?
0: like we'll Move it up four hours. And you're like, what? Like Cam Newton goes out and it's like, Patriots can't be bothered to play. Whereas like half of, or the entire offensive line goes out and it's like, no, that's fine. Not a competitive disadvantage. I think it was a competitive disadvantage. And so if you get this fully healthy offensive line, Trent Brown particularly, if Mm -hmm. he's back, now you've got one of the better units in the league going up against a Browns defense that is a one-man show at this point, right? It is is Miles Garrett, and that is it with this defense, right? This is a team that gave up whatever the Bengals wanted to last week and you know we've seen Derek Carr and the Raiders have good offensive showings against teams like the Saints against teams like the Chiefs and it's like there's nothing really here to say that they can't pull that off now this is one of a handful of games this week that you have to understand there is a weather concern we are finally into that season right literally November 1st is the cutoff for things are about to get crazy from a weather standpoint and there's some high wind games right we had that sort of Kansas City is it going to snow type of deal and we talked about like snow doesn't affect totals it doesn't affect teams like we loved Kansas City in that game even as the line yeah even as the line came down we're like you want to make it seven I'll do seven like whatever you want to do and so but wind is more the key right like snow doesn't matter because the offense knows where they're going but wind is going to mess with guys throws so I don't really trust either of these quarterbacks in a windy situation like it's going and that's going to kind of come up a couple of times here as we go through but like this one's a really dicey one because I do kind of think that that Cleveland overreaction to Beckham being out might exist but I think there's almost a more of an overreaction to what happened to the Raiders last week because that Tampa Bay team is really good and I don't blame the Raiders at all given the circumstances from last week
1: yeah, you, you mentioned the one-man wrecking crew on the Browns defense, and that's Miles Garrett, who in seven games has nine, a nine sacks and four forced fumbles. Again, mm. that's in seven games. That's yeah. insane, right? Right. So Miles Garrett versus Derek Carr, hey, they'll be introduced to each other a couple times, I'm going to assume. But in the grand scheme of things, when I'm looking at this in terms of whose quarterback do I quote-unquote trust, The most, especially in tough conditions, or more so, to do what they need to do, meaning hand the damn ball off. It's probably Derek Carr. Baker is still so erratic. And there was this funny meme that that went around. It's like the Baker Mayfield cycle. I'm just gonna read this for a sec. Sure. So it says, "We are here. Play like shit. Next move. Criticized by media. Next Mm -hmm. move. Underdog mentality. Next Mm -hmm. move. Beat inferior opponent." <laughs> mm-hmm. Next move, call out doubters, and then he's mm-hmm. gonna play like shit again. That's just a cycle <laughs> right. of Baker Mayfield's. And that's what
0: so I far. mean. Yeah, like totally. the spot on your Biden dons right? And he's doing it on a game-to-game basis, whereas you see guys like Foles and Wentz who are doing it like quarter to quarter, and it's like a daily roller coaster. In this case, <laughs> it was one bad quarter and then three good quarters for Baker. Yeah. But yeah, like I mean, it's a tough one to bet on because you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna get on any given day, but sort of, you know, we've done pretty well with kind of sniffing out the Browns this season, right? Like we had, that's one of the teams as crazy as they have been, it's like, we have been on it like at the top, Mm -hmm. at the bottom and sort of fading, right? From a buy low, sell high standpoint, right? And I think this just, you know, it's tricky again, because of the value that Beckham is sort of tweaking the spread a little bit and sort of making people think that the Browns are toast without him, which again, does not make any sense to me. But again, when you say Miles Garrett, right? And you say Derek Carr, again, Trent Brown, the key, if he's off COVID huge. protocols and all of that, and he's back, right? Like that is a massive, massive deal when you're talking about a guy like Miles Garrett. Cause again, other than him, not much there for the Cleveland defense.
1: Again, remember what Joe, joey bangle i was about to call him for some reason even though i don't know that's i just made that up but Mm -hmm. joe burrow and the Bengals (laughs) were able to do against the browns last week so hey uh we'll we'll see what happens there for sure uh i i kind of like i kind of like the raiders i kind of like the raiders there but we'll we'll keep things moving we'll keep things moving here as the three and three dolphins play host to the five and two rams The Rams are three and a half point favorites. And most importantly, the headline here is it's two a time for the Miami Dolphins. I kind of, you know, the Rams, we talked about not really, I I remember last week's pod when we were talking about that Monday night game, I remember saying, I don't really know what to make of the Rams. Right. Right. And after watching that game, I still don't really know what to make that much of the Rams. Right. Like I'm still kind of like, nah they're five and two but you know cool they showed up for that game a week after getting embarrassed against the Niners right so you kind of have talking about what you're what you you've been preaching to me and I'm actually starting to listen to where (laughs) these teams coming into each and every week are you going to get their best game are you going to get their worst game and there were all these quotes about McVay being so pissed off after losing to his boy kyle shanahan and it was gonna be a point like we are not losing this game we are coming back so cool we saw that but as we talk about the dolphins i just really like what's going on in miami
0: and Mm, maybe it's just
1: so much of what was being clouded over years of them being trash but and in seeing the full turn of you know, how we saw a couple years ago, they're tanking, they're tanking, they're tanking. And no, Flores was out here winning games where some people didn't really understand. And they built up this culture to the point where they did a really smart thing with how they handled this whole Tua thing, right? They could have yeah. started them from the beginning, but there's no, tr- there's no, Uh, preseason there's no anything so they let Fitzpatrick cook for a bit and they got out before Fitzpatrick they got Fitzpatrick (laughs) before Fitzpatrick got them and (laughs) and it just timed out with the bye week perfectly to have Tua in this position and he's not playing in, he's not playing with a trash team like most rookies in his position are I just like the the organizational structure that they're building in Miami now yeah it's funny right too but just <laughs> yeah. I don't know it's just something about it and maybe this is me being the the you know emotional you know oh I wanna see Tua do well okay, and that's sure. why I'm looking at and this is where I need you to come in and be like nope this is a number
0: <laughs> uh no I think and this is funny right because like we don't know what we're gonna get with two of, no right. And so part of sports betting is trying to, you know, especially in the NFL, where like we're at a point here where these lines are so incredibly tight, right? Like there's no if somebody's coming in and telling you, like, oh, like this should number should be three points higher, this should be five points higher, like there better be a really good reason for it, right? And we yeah. talked last week about how the Jets and the Bills, like that line was so high. It was 13 when we talked about it. I talked about how my number with Darnold was like 10 and it got down to 11. And then it even got down to like 10, nine and a half. And it was like, those are the only scenarios where a line is off by like two, two and a half points. Like it takes the Jets and everybody's sheer unadulterated hate for the Jets to be able to have a line that you know is just flat out wrong, right? Yeah. The only other thing you could possibly have is a quarterback situation, a quarterback change to a guy who we don't know sort of whether he's going to be awesome or whether he's going to stink, right? Yeah. And for me, listen, the Tua, when you when you think of Tua, right? Like you want him to do really well because of obviously the sort of, you know, catastrophic injury that he had, right? The negativity about Tua is, you know, can he stay healthy? is he going to be able to come back from that injury, right? Like it's all based on the draft, right? Because the only time we've really talked about Tua from an NFL standpoint is at the draft and him sort of Mm -hmm. falling off of, you know, sort of consensus number one pick, which he, you know, would have been a year before. And it's like, so there's some negativity there, but none of that negativity has anything to do with one game, right? Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy and listen, maybe this comes back to bite me because he gets hurt in the first quarter or something, but you know, maybe he ends up being that guy who plays three years and we all kind of go like, man, I wish it would have been, you know, I wish he would have gotten better luck from a health standpoint, right? Maybe he's Greg Oden for a basketball, our basketball followers out there, right? Who like nothing wrong with Greg Oden from a basketball standpoint, he just couldn't do it physically. But none of that matters when we're talking about one game here, right? And you've got a Rams team, short week, right? Big travel, a team that's traveled a ton this year already, right, feeling pretty good about themselves after that win, even though it didn't look all that pretty at times, right? Against the bears, like, yes, they covered. Yes, we were on that. And that was sort of one of those things where, you know, listen, it's it'd be nice if on Thursday I could sit here and say, hey, this is team that needs, that's gonna cover this, 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 and here are my picks. And then, like, you know, three days later, it's all the same, or in this case, yeah, four yeah. days later. But sometimes you need literally like seven days to kind of sniff out what's going on in a game. So, at that, you know, by Monday, like at five, I finally was like, and you, you know, I asked people to follow on Twitter, but like, I was literally like, okay, here's, I finally made a decision yeah, on yeah. this game for Monday night. Like, sometimes it takes longer. For me, I think Tua is going to play really well. And I think you're right. I think that they have handled this kind of perfectly, right? We've seen a lot of situations, whether it was, you know, new, you know, teams, new defenses, new offenses, new quarterbacks, and the four games that they've needed to have to kind of get comfortable with what they're doing, right? Because of the lack of preseason. And so with no preseason, there was no way Tua was going to start in week one. He's been healthy for essentially the whole season, right? Like he's suited up, he's been the backup. If something was to happen to Fitzpatrick, he would have been the guy who has, you know, would have taken over in those games. But Fitzpatrick has stayed healthy and there hasn't been a reason to make the move. Now people have sort of said, like, they've been winning games. They're three and three, right? Like it's time (laughs) to sort of pump the brakes on like, they're some sort of juggernaut. And Fitzpatrick has done just enough here. But again, this is one of those deals. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how, You know, Washington moved to Kyle Allen to there as a quarterback because, you know, Ron Rivera was like looking around and he said, he's like, if there was a 5-0 team in this division, we'd probably just let Haskins roll it out the rest of the year, become sure that he stinks, and then move on with our lives and probably get a pretty good draft pick because we'd lose a lot of games but he looks around and he goes like six and 10 is going to win this division. So he goes, Kyle Allen gives us our best chance to win. And that team that does seem like a team like the dolphins last year that is sort of on the rise point of all of this is it's kind of the same thing to a little bit greater extent with the AFC East where you're going, yeah, the bills are five and two but that's kind of a grim five and two and the Patriots aren't the Patriots and the Jets are the Jets. (laughs) So at three and three here, like we could make some moves here, win this division with like a 10 and six type of a record. And seven and three is a possibility if we have a high end quarterback. And so it's up to them and it's up to us to kind of trust them and trust Flores to know that this guy can lead them to seven and three the rest of the way here. And obviously this game would go a long way to do that when you're four, four and a half point underdogs to a team, you know, that's pretty good. Like this win would go a ton of the way, especially since Buffalo and new England are playing each other this week. And we'll get to that, of course, but like this feels like the chance for them to make a move. So like I've been recommending like, Plus 600 Dolphins division, right? Okay. Like. I, and listen, this might all go up in smoke in one game. He might not be ready value, to go. Man, I hear you. Right, we're talking value. And it's the type of thing where if they have a really good quarterback with the defense that they rebuilt in the offseason, that again is getting better by the week because new parts, right? We talked about how they spent the most money basically ever on a, on a defense. And if that is getting slowly better, which I think it is, right? We see Seattle just tearing it up against everybody. Who's the one team that actually slowed Seattle down this year? It's the Dolphins. Yeah. right and like nobody was really paying attention to that and we got kind of bad beaded on the spread there but like this Dolphins team is sneaky good and they're not yeah. going to just blow the season up because they want to trot Tua out just to see if he's good I think they think he's good and listen when he was healthy at Alabama like there was nothing to say that he wasn't really good right like so I trust that version of Tua when healthy again, short-term only, right? I'm not betting on him to have a 12-year perfectly yeah. healthy career, but short-term only, I think, this, I think this energizes the team. Not that it even really needed that type of energy, but I think they really, they're going to improve their offense a great deal. And I love the Dolphins this week.
1: Yeah, and one of those things as well, like short week for the Rams. Last week was a Rams kind of kitchen sink game where they needed it badly coming off that loss to the Niners. And now you're putting them in a short week against... And traveling against a, a Dolphins team that's going to be fired up for sure, coming off the bye, mm-hmm. gotta lean Dolphins there for sure. Uh, moving on here, speaking of coming off the bye, you got your man's Phil Rivers in the four and two Colts in Detroit to take on the three and three Lions, and the Colts are three point favorites. I want to lean Lions just because the bye week doesn't make Phil Rivers any less washed, but. <laughs> I hesitate because it might allow the Colts to figure out how they can better use Phil Rivers and and use him in better, put him in better positions to succeed. But maybe more importantly, the bye week will help them get more healthy. You've been talking about how important Leonard has been on their defense and how their defense has looked without him. He yeah. practiced on Wednesday might be inching towards a return that's obviously a big big deal here but what do you see from this game with the Colts being three points favorites in Detroit
0: yeah and we've been fading the Colts based on that Darius Leonard injury right and so now he comes back and you go we don't have that sort of crutch to to be like well Darius Leonard doesn't play like we you know we can fade the Colts and like that no longer exists that being said I think you know we go through the season and There's no such thing as a buy team for 16 weeks, right? Or a sell team for 16 weeks because the market changes and it turns into a situation where you have to bet the Jets like last week, right? For me, the Lions right now are a buy team. This is a team that people, it's gonna take a while for people to believe in, right? Maybe similar to the Dolphins, right? And when you're talking about an underdog here at home, listen, it's not that much of a sort of home field advantage. We talk about that all the time especially when we're talking Phillip Rivers, at least he gets to be indoors, right? Because when it goes outdoors right now, especially in the cold, it gets a little bit dicier. But this Lions team, I think is pretty good. And we talked about, no, the bye week isn't going to change anything with regards to Phillip Rivers, right? He's still (laughs) gonna be a liability potentially for a turnover, right, an atrocious turnover. That's a thing that's always going to exist, right? The Chargers had 16 buys over the course and every time it didn't really matter. Like Phillip (laughs) Rivers is gonna be Phillip Rivers, right? Obviously the defense can improve with Darius Leonard, I'm still concerned sort of for him about a groin injury for a linebacker that has to go side to side, right? A lot of shuffling, a lot of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So again, remains to be seen whether he plays. Um, I think the market is sort of it's not exactly handing you plus three here, right? Like it's been to plus three and then back to two and a half and been to plus three minus 115 and back to two and a half. So like they're very sort of loath to give that up, right? From a Lions standpoint, we talked about it two weeks ago from a bye week, right? They came out of that bye week better defensively, right? And like they did really well against the Falcons. Sure, they probably could have, should have lost that game. But again, Matt Stafford's a guy I can trust in that sort of, you know, when, when Gurley didn't go down, it was like, well, Matt Stafford can do this. Like you're looking at like game and clock and whatever. And you're like, this is a very capable Matt Stafford type thing. Like he thrives on this stuff. Now it would be nice if that coaching staff said to everybody, kind of like a let Russ cook type situation, let Mm -hmm. staff cook, like let him do this. Right. But they're Mm -hmm. showing me things that is slowly, you know, we talk about, do they know what they're doing, right? And they're showing me the things that they kind of are getting to a point where they know what they're doing, right? They change the defense. They're getting, you know, more DeAndre Swift and less Adrian Peterson. And the last thing is, for me, is going to be more Matt Stafford throwing the ball to Kenny Galladay because I talk about it every week. I think he's a top five wide receiver. He's certainly a guy that not is, you know, wildly underrated for just being an absolute baller out there. I like the Lions and I'm just kind of, you know, until people are sort of, you know, jumping on the Lions train, right? Until that media coverage hits over the course of a week, I think it's just going to be bet the Lions and hope for the best for the next few weeks, let alone this week, which again, I like the Lions in this one.
1: I like the Lions getting points again. Yeah. And back-to-back weeks. I like that. I'm on it. I'm with you there with the Lions stick with that NFC North and the bears five and two bears who are at home hosting the saints who are foreign yeah. two, saints, four point favorites. And I know last week, again, bears on a short week, they did not look good at all. They didn't really look too good against the, the Rams on Monday night. Not a right. good look for Nick Foles, not a good look for Matt Nagy in that offense at all. Like it, it wasn't a good showing for the offense. Right and the saints we've talked about the the number the saints have been getting all year. This kind of falls into that where I'm looking at the four and I'm like, I like the bears and he, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of things here. And, and I know you're going to be surprised at this, but I actually looked yeah. up, it's going to be 43 degrees in Chicago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is six degrees Celsius for those of us, you know, yeah. that do that thing. But right. Uh, yeah. Because the Bears front line, the one thing I I did know, like, hey, they're still going to get to Drew Brees and Drew Brees is going to be playing in the cold. And if I think Drew Brees is not a check down master normally, what is he going to be doing in the cold? I really, 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 really like the Bears points. But I don't know if I'm just hating on Drew Brees and the Saints because that's basically what I've been doing the whole season.
0: Yeah. I mean, like we talk about it every week, right? Like the saints just feel like this team that is always getting a point or two more yeah. based on, I'm not even really sure what, right? Like, is it yes. from last season? Like I kind of felt like know. it was that situation last year and we've seen like, do you even remember the last like saints outdoor game at this point? Like, it feels like they're in the dome every that's week. A, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> right? Like, what are they, literally, have they played every home game? Like, think about the big games, right? Packers, home game. Chargers on Monday night, home game. Last week against Carolina, home game. And you're like, well, do they ever go on the road? Like, <laughs> I know I'm putting myself and you on the spot, but like, I'm sure they've played a road game at some point, but it just, it doesn't yeah, yeah. feel like they ever do. And so, yeah. you know, they built this sort of record on being, you know, a home team here, and which is what, four and two, which isn't even like that impressive of a record. And you're right, now they go on the road. And doesn't this game feel like, obviously, not a short week in this case, but doesn't this feel like the Tampa Bay at Chicago game that was that Thursday Nighter from a few weeks ago? right and that number Ah. was Tampa Bay minus three so again it's like why isn't it you know why isn't it New Orleans minus three and it was because the Bears looked awfully stinky on Monday right because the look ahead line for this was two and a half which is a much more sort of reasonable number but now we get up into the four four and a half zone here and the one key issue here though for the Bears so the one the the pump the brakes moment on the Bears is offensively obviously it's a pretty big horror show out there but if sort of both guys are throwing ducks up there right like Nick Foles is a little more accustomed to throwing ducks like that's kind of like his game whereas like Breeze is going to be like this isn't comfortable at all and it's like and Nick Foles is sitting there going like it's never comfortable for me and the problem is though for the Bears Alan Robinson right in concussion mm-hmm. protocol super dirty hit last week against the Rams left the game you could see him He was like yelling at the guy who hit him and all of that kind of thing if he's not in where do the Bears get offense Right? Like it's very dicey. And it's not like yeah. the Saints defense is good. Like we, you know, we were kind of worried in that Carolina game last week. Mm-hmm oh, is this bye week going to turn into the Saints having their, that defense that we sort of expected them to have? And then they came out and they were like, you know, DJ Moore's running free in the secondary, and, you know, Carolina's hitting them for 75-yard touchdowns. And yeah. it's like, this isn't going to be the shootout that the Saints have, are, have grown accustomed to, whether it was against the Chargers, the Packers, the Panthers, all of these indoor shootouts that they've had. Tampa Bay, right? Like, Tampa you know... Bay, yeah. Right, like again, when have they ever played a road game? And so, like, now it's like the roadest of all the road games. Like, this is such a roady game for them, I did and look it's now. Their Yeah, and like Michael Thomas is not does not look like he's going to be back. And I don't know what's going on over there, right? Ankle When is
1: that 30 for 30 coming? Because there's something going on there.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, NFL Network needs to get on top of that, right? Because they have like five different documentary type series. And I need to know like which one that's going to be on, right? So I can check that out. Like graphic, like you know, violence at some point where he's punching people. Who knows? So anyway, point is is like, yeah, like even at the best of times here, like Drew's not throwing the ball down the field. And if there's any defense, like somebody has to stop Alvin Kamara. Like somebody has to not let him have like a clear path, like running across. On third and seven, right? Like the Panthers gave up a critical third and seven because, like, Ka- Kamara is like running free, and like Drew's just like dink. And like, Kamara's like, Yeah, all right, nobody's around me. He's the only guy on the team. He's the yeah. only guy on the team who can beat you. I'd like to think that the Bears can, you know, overcome that and have the guys to do that. They have the guys to pressure Breeze. It could be a long day for Breeze, but it's just where do the Bears get offense? And hopefully, this is one of those games that like the winning team scores 17 in, which Indeed. are kind of what the Bears do at home right like even when they got blown out by the colts it was like 19 to 11 right like that bucks game was 20 to 19 or whatever it was right Mm -hmm. all of these games are sort of under the number so listen if you're getting a total of 44 45 right now I like the under in this game and yeah, I'm with you here with the bears. It's just, I'd be a lot, you know, I feel a lot better if Alan Robinson was off concussion protocol, because at least he's a guy who Nick Foles can throw a duck up to and he'll go get it.
1: He can go get it, go make a play. Mm-hmm. I did look up the, the schedule for you here on the saints. Yeah. Refresh my memory. Well, here's the thing. So week one, they hosted Tampa Bay. Yeah. Week two, they were at Vegas
0: Right. Oh, of course. The Monday night (laughs) game. Dome, right? Indoors.
1: Right. Week three, they hosted the Packers. Week four, at Detroit. (laughs) Dome.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's right.
1: Week five, the Chargers they hosted, and they hosted the Panthers last week. So My, guy know, been they been they My guy hasn't been has outside. My guy has not been outside all season long. <laughs> right? And if you're
0: 40 whatever years old and your arm strength is questionable, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're questioning his arm strength because we're watching him play indoors. What's that going <laughs> to look like this weekend, right? And right. Chicago, as you mentioned, is one of those four or five games that's going to be, you know, forecast forecast only uh, yeah. affected by wind right yeah. and so like yeah like why do i why would i want to be laying points with certainly with either team but four four and a half
1: with the saints
0: no yeah. i'm good
1: i'm on the bears for sure and you're talking about we're, we're talking about taking points i gotta take points in this next game we're talking about just out of the sheer disrespect i showed my own san francisco 49ers last week and the niners are four and three yeah. And in last place in the powerhouse NFC West, four and three Niners traveling to Seattle, take on the five and one Seahawks. As mentioned, Niners three point underdogs at this point. And I'm taking the Niners here and I'm being, I'm I'm doing the emotional pick right now. And I'm telling you that I'm doing the emotional pick right Right. now because I disrespected my squad. And the, the, (laughs) here, here's what I was saying. Ball control, they run the ball. Shanahan is a G. When I saw these numbers of Shanahan in in four games against Bill Belichick, Shanahan has averaged 30 and a half points, 428 total yards, 154 yards rushing, 24 first downs, and his QBs are Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, Rex Grossman, and Matt Schaub. I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't I can't. I can't disrespect my man Shanahan like this anymore. And I know I shouldn't be this emotional with it week to week. Right. I really shouldn't. I know. And yeah. I'm okay to take the L here. Yeah. But I'm rolling well, we with my diners, man.
0: We blew it last week. And listen, like there, there aren't a ton of games where we're just like, legitimately bad picks, right? Because of the, you know, we always talk about it, musical chairs nature Mm -hmm. of the NFL, right? So part of it is like, there's never a bad pick because it's always so close to the line that you can always make the case We're like, well, if this had gone this way that, you know, if the kicker had made the kick, like we would have got, you know, it could have gone a lot better, right? Like that's literally every game in the NFL. And the other reason that we don't have a ton of really stinker picks because we're pretty good at this right so like there's a couple of different reasons so in this mm-hmm. case last week the patriots pick was about as bad as you can do it right and that's a part of the thing that we talk about on the window is like taking ownership of yeah. being like well what were you doing like what happened there like blah blah blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right? And i don't think anybody really expected listen the market made the patriots a favorite right yeah, so it's yeah, not like yeah, we yeah. were like oh yeah i think they're better you know like i think they're an underdog you know or they can you know, win as an underdog and then that's not the case. It was literally like, yeah, they're favored. Okay, not by a ton. The line moved from one and a half up to three, right? So we were there as far as a market move is considered. And then just all of us were just flat out wrong, right? And so when it comes to this game here, first of all, like the line was five and a half last week. And now we're we're down to two and a half minus 115. Like you don't see the cross through three very often in the nfl if ever because usually the lines are against so tight now oddly enough we had that with the saints and the bears that we just talked about right going from two and a half up to four so some wild moves right but what do we do when these wild moves happen we fade those moves right because we trust the line from last week more than we trust the line from this week because right Seahawks lost right Sunday night game like defense looked gashed yada 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 right so like everybody a little bit more down on the Seahawks I even saw people suggesting that like that ruined or that sort of hurt Russell Wilson's MVP candidacy and it's like what like <laughs> one game where he was by the way up 10 points we talk about special teams right we talk special teams more than just you know, the micro element of kickers because that penalty on the defense on the kick, right. That would have made it a seven point game. And at that point, like the Seahawks are probably chilling, right? Like they get the ball, Arizona wasn't stopping them at all. They can move the ball, you know, and, run out the clock right and arizona wouldn't have just needed a field goal late in the game so all of the seattle numbers would have covered at a seven point seattle game and we maybe look at this game this week a lot differently now san francisco goes and they crush the patriots right and it was an incredibly disappointing effort from the patriots right but at the same time Yeah. Mainly Cam Newton, but like the defense, I have way more problems with the defense, right? Like just letting San Francisco do whatever they want on the run game. Right. Like Jimmy G's numbers weren't all that impressive. And we talked about like George Kittle being sort of taken out of the game and he had what 50 some odd yards. So it wasn't like he was tearing it up, but they just let them absolutely dog walk them on the ground the entire way through that game. Now, Seattle's defense, not really any better necessarily. Right. But maybe they get Jamal Adams back. And again, for me that Seahawks offense, like it's just unstoppable at this point. And the, and the injuries that have been piling up, like we say it every week with San Francisco though, right? Like the injuries pile up, pile up, pile up. Like eventually it's the dam has to break here. And I just, I I think, in this game, I think the dam breaks for San Francisco. Like, I just think this is a Russell Wilson cooks it up. I think it's actually kind of good news that Wilson might not even have a running back healthy in this game. Like they're on their like fourth running back, which they always seem to be right. Like it's weird how certain teams just always have the same injury issues. doesn't really matter who's involved, but like he can throw it a ton on this San Francisco team, which is just not something that Cam was able to do, right? Like, obviously going from Cam to Russ at this point is a pretty big step up in competition in that micro way for the 49ers.
1: And to double down on that, going from cam to russ but also going from the patriots skill position guys their receivers sure, yeah. to dk Metcalf
0: and <laughs> right. It, right all <laughs> of the above right like yeah you get what you get when you're facing the seahawks right and so you know second you know road game right cross country travel you can do all, all of that song and dance right but these are games that were even last season when we all kind of thought seattle was overrated and there are times when you know because of that defense you can still feel that. But now yeah. that we're getting a number at minus two and a half or even minus three, like this seems like an overreaction an over adjustment okay. for a Seahawks team that even sort of at the worst case was, you know, one yard away from beating them late in the game last year, late in the season, week 17 yeah. in a game that for my personal betting history is actually quite a sore spot. Um, yeah. And then i f- had an overtime game against San Francisco earlier that season, right? Like they were the only yeah. team that was competing with San Francisco when San Francisco was at its absolute healthiness right like when they had all their dudes now they kind of have none of their dudes and for me like I like Seattle as a bounce back here mainly because I think this over you know there's just an over adjustment to the line
1: and it's perfect how we had this conversation where I'm showing the blatant overreaction to the line
0: well it helps that you're a 49ers <laughs> fan too right you were like we're back we can do this
1: we can accomplish
0: anything and then like russ is sitting there going like i'm not cam newton and you're like oh well maybe we meanwhile, can't accomplish like, everything
1: meanwhile it's like the Niners running back. I don't even know where they're at now. It's like hasty's getting some burns now. (laughs) Yeah. It's hasty, hasty.
0: Like like Jarek McKinnon, for some reason, can't get any run. Like that's (laughs) driving me crazy from a fantasy football standpoint. Um, Uh Yeah. Like it's rough, man. And like the secondary, right? Like again, the secondary injuries to safeties, not an issue against Cam Newton. Big, big issue against Russ
1: Wilson. Totally agreed. And we'll get to Cam Newton and the Pats who are now sitting at two and four. Oof. They're yeah. going to Buffalo facing the five and two bills. Have yeah. we ever said that? Like when was the last time we would no. say the two and four Patriots <laughs> going to Buffalo to take on the right. five and two bills Patriots. Yeah. When of the last time we said the Patriots are three and a half point underdogs against the bills, right. yeah. a yeah. lot of things. I'm just going to list off some statistics here and statisticals them. here.
0: Yeah.
1: The Patriots have scored fewer than 13 points in three straight games for the first time in the Bill Belichick area era, yeah, area. <laughs> yeah. which great. is since the year 2000. The last time it actually happened was 1995. How bad did it get last week, though, for the Patriots? The Niners scored more points and more first downs in the first half than the Pats had offensive plays. All right. <laughs> the Patriots allowed 301 yards in the first half at home, which is the most in the Belichick era. And as mentioned, two games under 500 for the first time since 2001 when they lost the second start of Tom Brady's career.
0: We get it, Sheldon. We were wrong. Stop twisting the (laughs) knife. (laughs) Yeah, it was a horror show, man. Like, it was awful. But like, you know, if we're ready to talk about it, like, I'm ready to talk about it. Like, the, and like, uh, let's go forward with this, right? Like, again, that's in the past. Let's move forward. For me, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm back on the Patriots. You
1: know, and here the next hold on. Do you want to know the next thing I have written on the page yeah, here? And with all that, somehow I'm going (laughs) down in flames with the Pats and taking the three and a half points against Buffalo. Please tell me I'm crazy so I change this pick. And you're not going to do it? That's what I have written
0: down. No. Like, we've got a nice cup of coffee. We're sitting in our home, sitting at the kitchen table, (laughs) and there is flames all around us. And we are just sitting here going, like, this is fun. This is (laughs) fun. Um, fundamentally, this is essentially a fade of the Bills, right? And what the Bills do not do well, and that right now is a lot of stuff, right? Yes. Like again, we got on the Bills, or excuse me, against the on the Jets last week against the Bills, and that. that worked out. And I was wrong. <laughs> sorry, I did. Um, and that's you know somehow worked out, and it worked out not because the Jets have turned a corner or any good whatsoever. It's because the Bills, as much as they had ten trips into Jets territory, and in some cases deep into the red zone, that all they came out with was 18 points, right? And this is a team that's scored about that many the last three weeks. So it's not a situation where it's like, you know, We talked early on the season, we have to think of the Bills as an offensive team because they need to be an offensive team because that defense ain't it right now. And when they're not a highly offensive team, that's a big time problem. And so we talked about Chicago being a windy situation, Cincinnati being a windy situation, Cleveland being situation, breaking news, Buffalo going to be a windy situation, right? And so from an offensive standpoint, do you really want Josh Allen dealing with gale force winds? not really right but do you want cam newton dealing with gale force winds no not really but what can the patriots do they can just not throw the ball at all because we are at a point right now and i hate to say it if you're the patriots one this is your super bowl like this is it because if they go six and two and you go two and five and you have already lost a game to them from a tie-breaking standpoint like jam is done for right. the season, right? So again, we talk kitchen sink type games, right? Ravens kitchen sink. And in this case, the Bills kitchen sink. So they can save the season here if you're the Patriots. So what do you do against the Bills? Well, if you're Bill, you've thrown on the tape and you've seen even the Jets were able to run the ball against yeah. the Bills for about 4.6. Frank Frank or Lamical P. Rine, right? Are you familiar with Lamical P. Ryan's work? Because he scored no. the touchdown for the Jets last week on a run play that wasn't, like, wasn't even a goal line dive, right? Yeah. So the point is, like, 300 yards or whatever it was against Kansas City, and you go, you know, this might get Cam Newton killed, but we are running him we are running Harris, we are running Burkhead, we are running like the vendor, the popcorn vendor, we are <laughs> grabbing anybody that we can and we are running them down the Bills' throats. And if the Bills can stop us, that's fine, right? And so San Francisco's defense, maybe a little bit better from a run defense standpoint than the Bills, it would be hard not to be better. And so for me, if I was giving three and a half points, this wouldn't be a situation where I was like, yes, Patriots are gonna kill them, but we're talking about plus three and a half, even plus, available in some places and for me i just think that there's too much on the line here they may throw the ball 10 times the entire game but until the bills can show me that they can stop anybody or show me that they can outscore anybody which again it's been a while since that's been the case right raiders in week four i think the last time they had a good offensive day Until they show me that they can do that in the conditions that we're going to be looking at here, I have to just go back to the well with the Patriots. It's not a comfortable play. I know a lot of people are probably looking at that line and going like minus three and a half. The Patriots suck. And it's like, I don't think you're wrong necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This stuff happens all the time. And at plus three and a half, plus four, especially, we got to go back to the well with the Patriots, man. I think you're on the right track, even if it feels really gross
1: we're in week eight of doing this podcast. And one of the biggest things that I am learning that I'm reminding myself is to not fade away or, or or sway week to week from what my opinion would be on certain things. And one big major thing that was on my mind two weeks ago was, Oh, it doesn't matter when I still see Bill Belichick going up against the bills. I am still gonna ride with Bill Belichick until proven otherwise. So even if the Bills come out and win this game, I'm okay with I'll be okay with that. I just know the side that I would rather be on. <laughs> and that's he's with right. Bill Belichick, knowing that he's looking at Cam Newton throwing under a hundred yards for the first time in his career. And since he's come back from COVID, zero touchdowns and five interceptions. Right. Bill Belichick to still say Cam Newton is a starter knows that he has to put him in better positions to, for Cam to succeed. Therefore right. for the team to succeed. So let's go. I'm trusting Bill. He's pulling out all the run plays he's ever had <laughs> him and the, his professor dude. <laughs> they're pulling out all the run plays, the wishbone offense. Yeah. All, that
0: shit's coming all of it, man. Like, and listen, if Cam Newton throws for under hundred yards again, I think they win the game. Like, I think that's Ooh. an indicator that good stuff has happened because if they have to throw and they yeah. have to throw for 180, 200 yards, I think they're in big, big trouble.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. On the flip side, though, of our uh, Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick in our season long Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'd be calling the, the fight Belich- right now.
1: The Belichick versus Brady season long Super Bowl here. Tampa Bay at five and two. The Pats are two and four. We, I mean, Tampa Bay seems to be running away with this, Mister Brady. Yeah. But as he heads into week eight, the Bucks are in New York. Five and two Bucks taking on the one and six New York Football Giants. The Bucks are ten and a half point favorites. We just mentioned the Patriots. Well, Tom Brady. Okay, just just going back to to what's been going on here. 33 of 45, 369 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Patriots QBs, 15 of 25, 162, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, and a 39.5 rating. As bad as the Patriots QBs were, someone else who also plays that same position, who had a very funny week seven performance as well, is your man's Danny Dimes. Now, yeah. I know we talk every week about me and my, my love hate relationship with double digit spreads. And normally, hey, I say trust the math. And over the course of the season, if you trust the math and just take the points, you will win more than you lose. But under no circumstances am I going to take Danny Dimes here and the points. I'm just not going right. to do it. Just not going to do it. I know he has a oh, potential I mean, I- for the backdoor cover. But the Bucks defense, I feel like, should be able to help them cover that ten and a half points. And if not, the Bucks defense, maybe the twenty yard line will come up with another tackle on Danny Dimes as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. The sniper rifle flips him, uh, and that was yeah, that was one of my least favorite plays. Um, Not because he got (laughs) tackled, but because it happened uh, (laughs) to the tune of eighty yards. Um, Listen, this is this is no fun. This is not not at all. It's not, but I think you have to bet the Giants here. For one, I know that's
1: what you were gonna say. I know. Yeah, like I I know better.
0: It's not fun. The problem is, or sort of, you know, what we're doing right now is we do have this tendency to lump the Giants in with the Jets, right? I don't know if it's like a New York thing, right? Because it's like the headline is New York football is terrible, right? Mm -hmm. But the Giants do have capabilities, right? Like it isn't Mm -hmm. pretty, but like defensively, (laughs) they're okay, right? And from an offensive standpoint, like they do have some playmakers, right? Like the Jets would pay for a Slayton, Tate, and uh, who am I missing? The other Brian. guy. Um, sorry? Uh No, I don't think anybody. Uh, you're thinking <laughs> Ingram. Ingram. I don't Ingram. think anybody would want Ingram. Sorry,
1: I'm thinking Ingram. Um,
0: Nobody double Right? Everybody, everybody loves the double E tight ends. Uh, so this number is overinflated, right? And it's overinflated because we saw sort of what the Giants are capable of but obviously that was sort of a negative capability right if the jets ever had a second half 11 point lead though i'd be more comfortable with sort of lumping the giants in with the jets but they haven't the giants have right and listen this is nfc east which is like jv which is like mac you know college football at this (laughs) point but that being said like the Bucks could kind of show up, not really do all that much and win this game relatively easily, right? For like sure. this could be 20 to 10 without much effort whatsoever. And so yeah. the number, my number makes this like nine and a half where, you know, you're going to need 10 to, to take the Bucks. And we're looking at 10 and a half, even some 11, you've actually seen it drift down off of that 11. So there has been some money in on the Giants. I imagine yeah. come Monday, it's going to be all Tampa money. And here's the thing, right? Like, pretty big game last week i mean not the biggest but like from a perception standpoint like tampa looked awesome last week and they looked awesome the week before that and next week they have a rematch against the saints at home right first game of the season you'll remember obviously the saints won that game and so like that's a really big game that will be off of a short week so how much are they really paying all that you know attention to got what the giants have been up to right I like if you. i'm bruce arians and that offense i'm leaving chris godwin out because i don't want him he's got an injured hand right yeah. i don't want that finger getting re-injured if i'm that you know i would be completely vanilla. I would just sort of go through the motions. And so that would concern me a little bit when we're talking about laying a ton of weight here with 10 and a half, 11 points for a team that's just looking to play that next game against the Saints. For the Giants, we have seen them be competitive. And that was the scariest part about taking the Eagles last week in Survivor because whether it was the Rams or a couple of other games, right? The bears who, you know, five and two, even though that record's a little bit fraudulent, like the giants have been in a lot of games here where even the Dak Prescott Cowboys, like they were hanging in with those teams. So this isn't a never had a chance to win type of a team. This is just a, well, they're just not very good. They're trying their hearts out, right? They do have some decent metrics defensively. Daniel Jones does have some capability and he has some weapons to be capable with. And so You know, is this number, if this was in Tampa Bay, are we talking about a team that would be a 14, 15 point favorite? Like, that's awfully close to the 19 points that the Jets are underdogs to Kansas City. And so, like, I think Tampa Bay is pretty darn close to Kansas City right now, but I don't think the Giants are anywhere near as bad as the Jets. So it's going to stink Hopefully we can get plus 11, plus 11 and a half. But I think he just got to hope for sort of a low scoring game where the Bucks don't show anything, don't do that much. And they just get a nice, easy 10 point win. But I just think more often than not, the Giants cover that game.
1: The ugly Danny Dimes backdoor cover just to piss me off. I could see it happening. I I don't even know if it's going to be a backdoor,
0: right? It might just be like a complete snoozer where it's a (laughs) lot of field goals out of the bucks. And we're looking at like 19, 13, 22, 13, like something along those lines where it's just like, yeah, Danny didn't even need to come, you know, make any comeback. It could be a lot like the bills and the jets to be completely honest with you. Right. Where it was not a backdoor, just like got enough done early that, it was enough that it was tough for them to cover a really big number on the road. And by the way, you know, we talked about Drew Brees. My man hasn't seen grass. Well, Tom Brady hasn't had any, you know, cold conditions either yet this season as well. And the one time that he did against the bears wasn't all that pretty. Right. You
1: make, you're making great points, my dude, you're making great points. Uh, Speaking about having to cover big time spreads as a New York crappy team. The 0-7 Jets are in Kansas City. And I have the number, and I know this number's been moving a lot, but I have it at 19 and a half points. And I'm going to say this, man. The Jets are trash, right? And as much as I can see them obviously getting blown out by 20 points to Patrick Mahomes and company, even Chad Henney, no Coke, getting into the game and, and making some moves as well here,
0: Right. I can't
1: take a professional NFL team right. to lose by 19 and a half points. Like, I just can't do that. Like,
0: no.
1: as crap as I think the Jets are and as yeah. great as I think the Chiefs offense are, is, and I know it is, like, yeah. 20 points, I, I, I can't bring myself to, to do that. Yeah. I just can't do it. And, and that's the whole
0: lot. That's the fatal flaw with this having to pick every game thing. Because I would tell you, like, step away. Just walk away. (laughs) Like, there's no reason. Like, what's the reason to bet this game? Do you want to watch the game? This isn't isn't a Sunday night game. This isn't a Monday night game. This isn't a situation (laughs) where it's like, well, I'm going to be watching it anyway. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to not pay any bleeping attention to this game whatsoever because I'm not going to bet on it. And from a a line standpoint, you're right. Like it moved off of 21 was the look ahead number and it (laughs) moved down, down to 19 and a half, which means either the market or the the odds makers were like, we were giving the Jets not enough credit. Now what from last week, like we're glad we got out of there with a cover from the Jets and listen, they were up 10, nothing. And we sort of had visions of grandeur. They might actually win the game, but like, What's the adjustment? Like, Kansas City blew out Denver. They did it in multiple ways. It wasn't even just offense, right? They're capable of returning a kick for a touchdown, a pick six for a touchdown. And so it's like, it's not a Chiefs aren't as good type of thing. Sure, they're a little bit banged up maybe, and, like, that might (laughs) – is that going to come back to haunt them against the Jets? From a Jets standpoint, they got four yards in the second half. Four. Four. Four yards. Not four points. Four yards. Not four first downs four yards so what are we looking at where we're like okay like the jets is a team that i want to take all those juicy points with no i don't want to do that (laughs) but you're right i don't want to play 19 and a half with an nfl football team but the chiefs are more than capable of doing it man it's just a matter of if they want to and so the big thing for me is if you were looking if you had to bet a side here one you go look headline was 21 and it's 19 and a half and is, is that really any different than if the look ahead line was six and now we're getting, you know, it's three, right? Like you would still be, you know, wouldn't we still want to adjust to that? The other thing is Le'Veon Bell. So what's the reason that the the chiefs want to put it on the jets. And that might simply come down to using Le'Veon Bell in the fourth quarter. And if you're looking for guys who have motivation to get into the end zone for his first touchdown with the team and all of that kind of stuff, right? Like, when you have these big spreads whether it's college football or nfl it's does the team want to play 60 minutes i don't know that the jets care to play 60 minutes like what do they care about the point spread they didn't bet on themselves i promise you they didn't bet on themselves And what's the motivation for the Chiefs to play 60 minutes? It's to make Le'Veon Bell feel good about being part of the team, right? It's like he's a new employee. You're having a little party to welcome the new employee. And I think that party turns into like 10 carries and a couple of passes for Le'Veon Bell late in the game. So if you're just blindly looking to just bet the Jets here because it's plus 19 and a half – it's going to be awfully rough when Le'Veon Bell is spiking in their face in the fourth quarter. So I'm not saying bet the chiefs right now. I'm just saying it's not a prime time game. It's not a standalone game. It doesn't have to happen in real life.
1: Here's Ignore what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. My big money fantasy league. I have Patrick Mahomes as my QB. Okay. So I'm just going to take the chiefs to cover here. I'm flipping it here. Here's what I'm okay. doing. I'm plugging in Patrick Mahomes in my lineup, obviously. I'm going to yeah. just know that I have Patrick Mahomes, root for Patrick Mahomes to get as many points as possible before Henny comes back into the game right. and hope that Patrick Mahomes himself can cover the 20 points, not even watch the game. I'm just going to watch the box score of Patrick Mahomes' numbers. Right. That's about it. See where we land at the end of the game. Well, listen,
0: when some, you know, big money organization media company, you know, stumbles on this show and realizes that for next season that this needs to be a show that we do and that the masses can enjoy on their, you know, local cable station, when that happens next year we can start you waiting your picks right you can do oh, you know sort yes. of a confidence pool type of yes. thing right I so like that next that. year when this thing happens you can write the number one as in lowest confidence in this <laughs> pick you can rightly take the the chiefs you can cheer all you want for patrick mahomes and if you don't have to worry about them not covering some absurd number and having a count on your record the same way that it does against the you know the detroit pick that you like so much or the chicago yeah. pick that you like so much right yep. like there's this there's an inherent unfairness to this that you have taken on and i and i give you kudos but for next year when we've made it big time uh we could employ a uh, confidence pool element to it
1: i like it i like it i see where your head's at i, I like it <laughs> i like it uh as we keep things moving here the one in five vikings coming off a of bye week now find themselves In Green Bay to take on the five and one Packers. I don't really have much here. I'm just simply taking the Packers by six and a half points. And I know I probably shouldn't do that because if you're the Vikings and you, you should be able to (laughs) coming off a bye be ready for a division rival. You should be able to, but it's the Vikings. And there's not much that I've seen from Kirk Cousins and company that inspires much confidence at all. And meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are just out here looking like, I don't know, Steve Young and 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 Jerry Rice. I don't know. Sure. Pick your pick your duo, right? The way that Devontae Adams was running free all last week. I don't got much here. I'm just you just talked about weighing the picks. I'm just yeah. taking the Packers and moving on. Yeah. on. This might
0: be two, the, the two in the confidence, uh, in the confidence <laughs> little pick, right? Uh, yeah, I mean there isn't a ton to say here other than, you know, are we sure that the bye week helped the Vikings, right? Exactly. And what I mean by that is, like in theory, you're supposed to get healthier off of a bye week, right? You're not supposed to. Trade one of your defensive ends that you paid for in the offseason with a couple of draft picks, right? Yannick and Gawkway off to Baltimore. Uh you're not supposed to um, put your other defensive end that you're hoping to maybe get back, you know, on season ending injured reserve with a neck injury. You're not supposed to have one of your safeties um blow out his ACL. You're not supposed to put your rookie cornerback on the, I believe it's a COVID-19 list. Uh, you're not supposed to do any of that stuff. Sure, like they may get Dalvin Cook back. And of course he can be a difference maker for them offensively. On the flip side, you have the Packers who were pretty shorthanded last week and absolutely ran a train on the Texans. And so they're actually the team that's getting a little bit healthier. Now they're not going to have um, Aaron Jones back necessarily, right? But again, it didn't seem to matter last week. And I don't know that it's necessarily going to matter because they do have a couple of guys in that running back position that can do it pretty well. Yeah. And so for me, I go, yeah, like, why wouldn't I like the Packers in this situation? Obviously like I'm a lot more at minus six and a half, which is sort of a number that's been around this week mm-hmm. more than I do at minus seven for obvious reasons, because I just don't know that like the Vikings haven't packed it in, right? Like it might be one of those deals where you go on buy and you come back and you're like, you know, it was fun being on a buy. Like I don't love (laughs) coming back and playing because they're looking around going like we're dead last in the division. We're in this conference that is pretty bleeping loaded. So it's not like we can sort of sneak in for the seventh seed and make the playoffs. And so like, I don't really want to back the Vikings in that situation. And so when these sorts of things happens, I go, you know, where's the resistance? Like where are the people who are, who are betting the Vikings. And I've actually found a few out there, right? In sort of the sports betting community. And I go, there's the resistance, right? Like there are, those are the people that are keeping this number from going to like nine and a half. And in a lot of ways you sort of thank them for doing that. And so if you can get minus six and a half I think it's a definitely worth a play here because this Packers team is rolling right now. And I don't know that the Vikings have the offense to take advantage of, you know a Packers defense that isn't particularly good but it's a team that is getting a little bit healthier, right? Like they were missing two guys in the defensive, you know, back end last week. And I think both those guys are going to be back this week for the Packers.
1: Yeah. I like the Packers. That's pretty straightforward for me, for sure. Um, <laughs> we keep moving on prime time games here. <laughs> Got the two and five Cowboys. Yeah. Heading to the Philadelphia to take on the two, four and one Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And a week after, the Cowboys coach was anonymously called out by players. He calls out his players for not reacting when their QB was taken out via a very cheap shot (laughs) against the Washington football team. Their defensive coordinator had to also stop his press conference because my guy had Tabasco sauce on his finger and then rubbed his eye and his eye was burning. So he had to stop the press conference. I know that eight points for the Eagles against anybody should be, sounds like a lot, sounds like too much. Yeah. The Cowboys are a mess. The Eagles haven't played since last Thursday, which was an eventful one for us (laughs) riding with the Eagles as a survivor pick. But I look at this game, and the Cowboys are 0 7 against the spread this season. The first time Dallas has ever started 0 7 against the spread it's one of the short sorry it's one short of the longest winless streak to start a season against the spread over the past 20 years when Oakland failed to cover each of its first 8 games in 2003 okay 8 points i don't like it well i don't like it at all hey, but i'm taking the
0: eagles you say eight points, how about nine? Because it's turning, oh. we're at nine at this point. Like this game sure, has turned into like an auctioneer situation, right, <laughs> where it's literally like, anybody, anybody, seven and a half, seven and a half, no, no, nobody, Seven and a half, eight, 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 eight. eight no, 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 nine, anybody, Nine, nine, nine. and who's taking nine, like, no thanks. No, thanks. The Cowboys are horrendous. Now, listen, I'm not sitting here going like, guess what? I love the Eagles minus nine. Like, that's not the situation that's happening here. And unfortunately, this is the Sunday night game because we need there has to be going forward some sort of contractual element, you know, COVID-19 or 2020 Mm. type thing where you go, you know what? We can flex games in week eight now like you know remember flexing like flexing is like i think Why it's not? after week 10 or week 11 something along those lines where we can flex games like we have to flex this game out like can we start a petition like what needs to happen for but us how to flex it cuz they they don't like it's not in the contract like there's no flexing yet It's a a late-in-the-season type of thing, and we're just not there yet. So, yeah, we are subject to this. It is going to be disgusting. I don't want anything to do with this game. I couldn't even tell you, like, a tease option. Like, I couldn't tell you, you know what would be a good tease? Dallas plus 15. I can't do that. (laughs) That's not a thing. Like, Philly minus three. Certainly not. No way, right? Like, are we getting Ben DiNucci? Are we getting Andy Dalton? Does it matter? Probably not. Like, I don't want anything to do with this game. So sometimes you say, listen, if there's nothing to talk about with this game, let's not talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. We're going to have to watch it because that's just what we do. I don't want anything to do with this game.
1: Hey, do you know what the funny part is? I just went through explaining to you that my big money fantasy league, I got... Um, Patrick Mahomes is my one quarterback. So I'm just going to take Patrick Mahomes root for the stats and not watch this game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have to start two quarterbacks in my league. Who do you think is my other quarterback in that? League? Carson Wentz. Wentz. Blindly taking the Eagles rooting for Carson Wentz. Again, this isn't, this wouldn't be in my, my blazing five picks. <laughs> no. So take the Eagles. We'll move on. No need to talk about that. As we close each and every week, we got one of the segments that we love, which is a sucker bed of the week, which for those people who might be new to the podcast, the whole premise behind the sucker bed of the week is sniffing out what the entire public is going to be on, what the entire public narrative is. And so we like to look at that and say, pump the brakes, take a second, take a step back, and think about things. And for this week's sucker bet, you got the Broncos hosting the Chargers. The Chargers come into this game as three-point favorites. Both of these are two and four teams. Why is this the sucker bet of the week? Mr. Matt Russell.
0: Listen, like, it's very easy not to like Drew Locker
1: personally
0: professionally like he just seems like he's the worst right and he might be one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire league right but i think people right now lining up to back the chargers and listen i think the chargers sort of my hot take of the week and we don't do a ton of hot takes so it might be the hot take of the year are that the chargers fundamentally could be a top five team in the entire nfl right? Like if you are playing the games that they have played against the Chiefs, the Saints, the Bucks, right? Like you are playing these teams really, really tightly. Like there's nothing to say that you're not in that echelon. Unfortunately, they just keep losing them in dramatic, tight overtimes, field goal misses, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like they could have very well won all of those games. So people are seeing that and they're going, wow, pretty short number on the road against Denver, hmm, like a lot of people are going to be on the Chargers here. And listen, I can't necessarily tell you to bet the Denver Broncos we are not there, right? But again, the Chargers, you know, we talk about the old quarterbacks, not seeing grass, not seeing outdoors, not seeing weather. Hasn't really been a case either for the Chargers, right? Dome game on the road against the Saints, Tampa Bay in September, not too bad, right? And obviously home games in the Dome as well. Now they're going to brisk, you know, Denver at this point, I don't love Herbert on the road here in you know kind of a rough environment from just a weather standpoint, right? And okay. so when you're giving me points, and I think we can get three and a half here coming up pretty soon, I think Denver plus three and a half is probably the right side here, so I would steer clear of betting the chargers as the sucker bet of the week.
1: Yeah, I really like that. I like that as a sucker bet of the week here as the chargers I mean. Yeah, they're feeling, there, there's a lot of heat right now on the Chargers. A lot of people are feeling the Chargers a lot right now. So I, I like it. I like it. This is a nice spot for the sucker bet of the week. Uh, we haven't really talked about Survivor Pick yet. And I mean, last week's Survivor Pick was so much fun. <laughs> so I'm interested to see where you're going this week and what you're thinking this week.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, part of it was, you know, we're going to dance with the devil in the pale moonlight here and sort of promising ourselves that we're taking the chiefs. We're taking the chiefs next week. Like all of the sweat equity that we spent on those Eagles on that comeback, right. Which literally left me. Like, I don't often drink before bed, but I was literally like, I need a drink after that. And yeah, sort of just rallied up with some of my buddies on Zoom and were just like, can you believe what just happened? intense right because it kept us alive and it's sort of it's funny like we thought last week was going to be a really tricky week in Survivor and that's the thing you never know with the NFL right we're like yeah the Saints have a chance to lose this week I don't want anything to do with them we ended up being correct in that and like they did yeah. have a chance to lose but they didn't, right? We thought maybe the Bills might get got by the Jets, and they're up ten. The Jets are up ten nothing. So, like, we were sort of right in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Jets sort of petered away, right? The Chargers down seven points to the Jags in the second half, and we go, "This is going to be the one. This is going to be the one that we avoided. This bullet that got dodged, and all of those do- bullets got dodged." And we go, "Yeah, turned out to be a really, really easy week." In Survivor, where one person out of 353 got their pick wrong, right? Like somebody had the Patriots last week, and so you sit there and you're like, oh, "Man, like I wish we had really, you know, got taken some more advantage of it, right?" And that's not our fault necessarily. And then of course you see the Eagles this week are minus nine against a team where you're just like, "Oh man, like even this week we could have taken the Eagles; and it would have been a <laughs> better bet." So you know, whatever we survived. That's all that matters. And this week, no overthinking it. We'll play to next week, Kansas city. Again, don't watch the game. Don't have anything to do with it. If it's somehow close late, then we'll flip over and sort of sweat it out a little bit, but I fully expect it to be 27 to 10 in the third quarter. And just never having to watch one second of it.
1: Live to play another day, right? Super simple, super simple uh yeah i mean that pretty much wraps up another week on this pod and it again so much fun i look forward to this so much each and every week just because it gets the juices flowing for another nfl uh week and we're already on week eight as cliche as it sounds you mentioned it off the top we're like this it's crazy to think two months into the season what but here we are so much fun as always. And again, if you want to see my full picks, I end up posting them on the On Blast site, which is onblastpodcast.wordpress.com. Those end up being up on Saturday morning for sure. You get the full picks there. But what you really need to be checking out if you're really interested in winners and you're really interested in getting the best value from the NFL week in, week out, and hey, you might need to start picking up some other sports as college football's obviously in gear and college basketball's on the way back soon. You really got to be following my guy, Mr. Russell here, not only on Twitter for the, the info, the nuggets that he's giving out daily, but also for the window sports betting podcast. Mr. Russell, give the people a little bit of breakdown here of where they can find you and what they can expect. Yeah,
0: simply put, right, if you're listening to this, then you know where to find podcasts, right? You're not my (laughs) mom. And so Apple, Spotify, Google Play, all of the usual, right? And you're looking for this right here, the window, okay? Mm. Um, Simply put, right, type in the window sports, it'll pop up, subscribe. um, And then, you know, enjoy right because we do Monday to Friday every day Uh, there's always something right didn't think it was gonna have a ton to talk about on Wednesday and then Kevin Cash leaves his starting pitcher in or excuse me takes him out you know way earlier than most people wanted a couple batters earlier than i would have liked um and so we needed to talk about that right and it was like all of a sudden we've got content and that's the best thing about sports right there's always content you can watch a bunch of other shows right your big mainstream type stuff and they're going to be talking about all the usual headlines and all of that type of thing Over at the window, it's all from a betting standpoint, right? Like, what did we learn? How can we, you know, take this information and profit off it next time, right? So, you know, we go pretty long on this podcast, you and I, because we hit every game and we, you know, have a back and forth here. But if you want to get sort of deeper, right? Like the deep nitty gritty stuff, we go deep on that. Obviously, I, you know, Friday is my big NFL show where it's like, okay, let's talk about every game at length. And then That's Sunday, good. the official show, circa contest picks, right? We're in the circa million contest where you pick five games against the spread. We're in the circa survivor contest, where of course is a survivor contest. Big money, right? Million dollars up for grabs. Follow along there with my best bets, right? Like if I'm putting my five picks in. I obviously feel really good about them, right? And obviously don't necessarily just have five picks. Sometimes I have eight. Sometimes like last week I have nine and not every week it goes perfectly, right? Last week we went four, four, and one. Week before that we went six and one. And so, you know, over the course of the period of time, we're going to make money on these picks. We do so every year. And if anything else, right, it just helps you with your pool, helps you, you know, if you have to play pro line, if you have to parlay <laughs> games together, which again, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know why those are negative expected value things that you're doing. And then so maybe that will change your habits from a betting standpoint. So tonight, right, don't necessarily love a side, right? Carolina, Atlanta, like maybe take Atlanta. I would say tease it. When I say tease it, let's go from two up to eight. Find the game this weekend that you like to move six points or even tease the total tonight. Maybe tease that down so that you're over 45. So Atlanta plus eight and over 45 seems like a pretty decent bet for even money, you know, or minus 110. But again, all of that type of stuff gets explained on a daily basis over at the Windows Sports Betting Podcast
1: beautiful stuff my dude and and it's been i'm gonna be honest with you man following you on twitter during the baseball playoffs actually made me enjoy the baseball playoffs more because i hate baseball in 2020 and i grew up loving baseball like loving 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 baseball is my favorite sport i hate all the bullpen games i hate the four outfielders i and it couldn't have worked out perfectly i know that everyone's still gonna copy tampa bay because they got to the world series and they're doing the most with the least. and i get all that but I couldn't have been rooting harder against Tampa Bay, especially after you take Snell out of the game early and two batters later, Aaron loop is involved in, this situation in the situation. I'm just like, what, is, what are we doing here? Yeah. Anyways, the point is follow Mr. Russell on Twitter for sure. If you don't subscribe right now to the window sports betting podcast, you need to do so to get your goodness whole grain goodness of everything that's going on in the sporting world from a gambling perspective and of course I'd like to thank you again my dude for being a part of this the On Blast podcast again for another week as we are into week 8 full steam ahead everything moving as well and I close out each and every podcast the same way I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is I'll name this football pod later part of the On Blast podcast network as always unpolished and unapologetic until next time see ya On blast